are notorious for looking backward and for looking only at our present circumstances. We too often fail to see the good things that God wants to do in our future. Paul is not focused on prison and he is not focused on his discomforts, obstacles, and aggravations. Paul sets a wonderful example for us as one who is pressing on. He is making plans. He expects that God has much work for him to do and he is persuaded that his present sufferings will pass. Too many of us are persuaded that our present afflictions will never end and that the future looks bleak. We must learn to look ahead and have the attitude of Paul who, while he was in prison, said, But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, I strain toward what is ahead. Paul is looking so far ahead that he is envisioning heaven and his reunion with Christ. Listen, it's time to start making plans. The future plans always give us hope, purpose, and joy. Pray. Ask the Lord for his guidance. He will lead and guide you. Pray more. Then watch to see what the Lord will do. Well, good morning, everybody. And we are finishing our short study in the book of Philemon. I call it a book. In fact, it's really just one chapter. It's the shortest work of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul wrote Philemon from prison. In fact, there are four four works or four epistles that Paul wrote while he was in prison. Uh, Some scholars say that Paul was in Rome, some say Ephesus, but wherever he was, he, he was able to do good for the glory of God while in prison. Now, while many of us are are, are angry because of uh, our confinement or because things are out of our control. The Apostle Paul sets for us an example. And you heard me say it last week, I'll say it again. The Apostle Paul tells us to imitate him as he imitates Christ. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. You and I are in a position that none of us has ever been in before. We are locked down. We are in prison. And it's been very, very difficult. I've been on the phone with a lot of people. I've been emailing and texting a lot of people and just trying to help uh, people get through this very difficult time. So when, when we first started talking about what would we be preaching during this time of lockdown, uh, God brought to my memory the book of Philemon. And uh, usually when we go through Philemon, we're focusing on Philemon and on Onesimus, and we're focusing on the message of forgiveness, of reconciliation, and of what the Christian life is really all about. But what we've done this time is we've focused on the Apostle Paul in this book, and we see a man of God, a man who knows how to imitate Christ, a man who knows how to glorify Christ while he is going through a very difficult time. He is not able to travel and preach the way that he likes to do, the way uh, he's been functioning now for years. Uh, 
He is literally forced to do nothing. But for the Apostle Paul, the idea of doing nothing uh, is, just not a, is just not a possibility. It's not an option for him. He asks God, what good do you want me to do while I am locked down and unable to do anything else? And so we see these wonderful letters to the Ephesians, the Philippians, and the Colossians, and to Philemon. The Apostle Paul wants to glorify God wherever he is in whatever he's doing. Now, when I was uh, 13 years of age at Calvary Temple, Pastor Barber had in a very special speaker. His name was Richard Wormbrand. In fact, it was Richard Wormbrand and his wife, Sabina. Richard Wormbrand and his wife, Sabina, were, in fact, ministers in Romania before communist Russia overshadowed Romania and brought Romania to a place where they, too, became a communist nation. Richard Wormbrand listened to the officials declare that uh, Romania would be under the control of the communists. And the communists were saying uh, blasphemous things about Christ and about the church. And while Richard's wife was sitting beside him listening to all this, she, she elbowed him and said, wipe this shame from the face of Christ. And Richard said to his wife, you know, if I say anything, uh, that's it. I'm going to be taken away from you. I'll be thrown into prison. And Sabina says, I would rather you bring glory to Christ than, than protect yourself and, and stand for, uh, for yourself. And so th- what he did is he stood up and he renounced the Communist Party. He renounced communism. He renounced what the speaker was saying, and in just a few short days, just as he knew it would happen, he was arrested by the secret police and thrown into prison. His wife uh, had no idea where he was, but there he was in jail and tortured for Jesus Christ. Now, as a 13-year-old, this had a huge impact on me because, uh, well, first of all, I had never, ever met anybody who'd been tortured or suffered for Christ. But to hear how this man for 14 years suffered in prison and did not lose his faith, it, again, it had a massive impact on my life. It really, I would say, it was one of the defining moments of my life. It's one of the things that really put me on the track to my, uh, to my own faith and to my own walk with God. He preached while he was in prison He taught while he was in prison. He gave counsel while he was in prison. He sang. He did whatever he could to bring hope and courage to those who were suffering alongside of him. It was not easy. It was extremely difficult. He went through his moments of depression. He went through his moments of, of great doubt He wondered, where is God while all of this is happening? And again and again, he testified of how God helped him through this time, how God gave him courage to to face whatever was before him. While he was in jail, he was using Morse code. He was tapping out gospel 
uh, verses and gospel messages and bringing hope to as many people as he could. Or as in his own words, he says, in this way, I was able to be sunlight to fellow inmates rather than dwell in the lack of physical light. They were literally in a dungeon where there was no light. And Richard Wormbrand saw it as his opportunity to be a channel of God's love, of God's light to people who were in utter darkness and hopelessness. This, this challenged me greatly. One of the books that he wrote while he was there is called Tortured for Christ. And if you've never read it, I would uh, uh, absolutely recommend that you get it. But, but the book that had, I think, the biggest impact on me was a book called If That Were Christ, Would You Give Him Your Blanket? And in this book, Richard Wormbrand talks about how he was in a position to do good to those who were around him, suffering, depressed, full of doubt, anxiety. Uh, many were dying, many malnutritioned, uh, many just filled with all kinds of, um, of, of wounds from their torture. And here he is, and, and I think the, the, the title of the book can, really gives you an idea what, what, what is in the book. And how many times Richard Wormbrand saw somebody in need and Richard would give him whatever he had. And in one case, it was actually his blanket. He took his blanket and he gave it to somebody that had no blanket and was in need. This, uh, this dramatically changed my life because it showed me how Christians behave. Not just what Christians believe, but what Christians do because they believe. And that's really what I'm talking about right now. How do we behave? What are the things that we do as Christians because we are Christians? Because we put our faith in Christ. Sadly, many people do not uh, allow the spirit of the living God to direct them and to uh, help them make those decisions and do those things that bring glory to Christ. And this is what we're addressing today. What do we do? How do we behave? What are the actions of a follower of Jesus Christ? What is Christianity in action really all about? So, here we are. We're coming to the end of our, of our lockup. The Apostle Paul is coming to the end of his lockup. And he's asking the question, what is next? What happens after the lockup? The Apostle Paul was eventually released. Richard Wormbrand was eventually released, and I'm going to talk more about him in just a few moments. And we too are going to eventually be released. Uh, we will be let out and we'll be able to function as normal, whatever normal is. But the question is, what will we do now? I think, and it's been said many times, that all of us will be changed after this this quarantine after this coronavirus. Uh, things will not go back to normal or the way that they were. The question is, what do we do? How do we respond? What does that look like? Well, before I answer that question, what's next, let me just quickly remind you what Philemon is all about. Paul is writing uh, his shortest letter from prison, uh, perhaps Rome, perhaps Ephesus. We're not exactly uh, sure of that. Um, 
He's writing to a prominent leader in the church in Colossia, and his name is Philemon. Philemon is, is a wealthy man. He's a friend of the Apostle Paul. Paul calls him a fellow worker in the gospel. Uh, we think that probably he was the pastor in Colossia. And it seems that a slave by the name of Onesimus has, has stolen money from Philemon and has escaped and run away. And as any slave would know, when you do something like that, your, your life could very well be forfeit. He could lose his life for that. But Onesimus finds the Apostle Paul, and it seems that while Onesimus is with Paul, seeking Paul's counsel, Paul is able to lead him to Christ. And Paul declares that the escaped prisoner, Onesimus, is in fact a brother to Philemon. Now, this, this would, would have been a radical statement to suggest that a slave would be a brother to a slave owner, uh, that, that just broke down all kinds of walls. But this is what Paul is saying. Paul was saying, Philemon, Onesimus is your equal now. You are brothers in Christ. You are co-heirs. You, uh, you are one. You are equal. Paul wants to see this relationship between Onesimus and Philemon utterly and completely healed. It's radical. It's a radical idea. But folks, here's what you need to know about the gospel. It is a radical thing. It's revolutionary. It breaks down all kinds of walls. It brings healing where there is division. It brings healing where there are artificial differences, such as status or class. We are one in Christ. And this is what the Apostle Paul is driving home in this letter. Now, we, I think we can assume that the Apostle Paul was successful in his efforts in bringing reconciliation because, in fact, Philemon, the letter to Philemon, is included in the, in the biblical canon of Scripture. we assuming that it must have done the trick. Otherwise, it wouldn't be in the Bible. Paul loves the Lord, he wants to serve God, and while some people have big ideas of what that looks like, Paul understood that at the core of this faith is reconciliation between God and man and reconciliation between man and man or woman and man. This is Christianity 101. For all the great things the Apostle Paul did, at the very core of it was a reconciliation work. In fact, Paul says that is our work. That is our business. We are in the business of bringing reconciliation. So let me just read to you a few verses from Philemon. We're looking at Philemon, and there are uh, no chapters. It's just the one, one chapter, if you will. Um, and I'm starting at verse 15. And Paul says, it seems, Philemon, that you lost Onesimus for a little while so that you could have him back forever. He is no longer like a slave to you. He is more than a slave, for he is a beloved brother, especially to me. Now he will 
mean much more to you both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. So you, you're, you're catching what Paul is saying here. He's saying revolutionary things. Paul says, though, if you consider me your partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it, and I won't mention that you owe me your very soul. Yes, my brother, please do me this favor for the Lord's sake. Give me this encouragement in Christ. I want you to recognize that the Apostle Paul refers to Christ as the Lord, as the Master. He's the one that we obey. He's the one that we follow. We do His will. We obey Him. So Paul says, because of this, give me this encouragement in Christ. I am confident as I write this letter that you will do what I ask and even more. One more thing, please prepare a guest room for me, for I'm hoping that God will answer your prayers and let me return to you soon. Paul tells us what he wants to do after lockup. Paul is making plans. And that's what I want you all to start thinking about now, because quarantine is coming to an end. During this time, I've invited you in the first week to pray and to praise God and to ask God what he would have you to do during this time. What good works does God want you to do? And then last week we talked about that, doing good. And by the way, i got to say that uh, there's a good number of people at Cross Church who've been very good and very kind uh, to me personally and to the people uh, who are on staff and to other people in our church who are in need. It's been really wonderful to behold. And so for those of you who are hearing the word of God and putting it into action, I want to say God bless you and thank you for your faithfulness. It really is a blessing and an inspiration. And while we're still incarcerated, while we're still locked up, I would invite you to ask God, God, what would you have me to do? while I'm being locked up. But more than that, what do you want me to do when this is all over? Because I can tell you, God is not ignorant of this coronavirus. God knows what's going on. The fact that it is a pandemic, that it is worldwide, tells us that it's something big. It's something that... that God knows about, that God is involved in. And I think that you and I need to pay attention to what the Spirit of God is saying and what the Spirit of God wants to do through you and through me when all of this is over. I won't say more about that for now, but, but do understand that God has work for us to do. He wants us to make plans. He wants us to prepare ourselves for when this is all over. The staff and I, we've been already talking about what we're going to do when this is all over. We are now uh, starting to pray and starting to make plans for when the coronavirus is over. But let me just look to the Apostle Paul and, and look at his words. He says, I am confident as I write this letter that you will do whatever I ask and even more. 
And one more thing, and here's Paul in prison making plans. He says, please prepare a guest room for me, for I'm hoping that God will answer your prayers and let me return to you soon. Here's a man of faith, is a man who trusts God. Here's a man who understands that he's at the mercy of God, not the mercy of Rome, not the mercy of, of the Ephesians. He's not at the mercy of Satan. He's not at anybody's mercy. He's at God's mercy, and he understands that. And I want the Spirit of God to speak to you now, to, to, to help you clearly understand that you and I are at the mercy of God. And, and we understand that God's will must be done in our lives. It's for this reason You've heard me say this many times, that Jesus teaches us to pray, thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so the Apostle Paul, in speaking these words, is speaking as one who is under the lordship of Jesus Christ, as one who understands that he answers to Christ and that Christ has the final word. I hope that these words right now will just grip your heart and fill you with joy and with gladness, knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are under the control and under the direction of God is very liberating. We are not at anybody's mercy. We're not at the government's mercy. We're not at, at Satan's mercy. We are at God's mercy alone. And so we, along with the Apostle Paul, we acknowledge that Christ is the Lord. Christ is the King of kings. Christ is our master. And so we pray and we make plans and we move forward doing what God wants us to do. So here's the Apostle Paul. He could be sitting in his prison. He could be chewing his nails. He could be cursing Satan. He could be cursing the government. He could be uh, maybe angry at, his, at himself, blaming himself. If I'd only done things differently, if I hadn't said this or hadn't said that, or if I hadn't done, done this or the other thing, then I wouldn't be in this situation. You know, you know what Paul could have been doing because you're human and, and you've done it yourself. You've, you've found yourself getting your eyes off of Christ and looking at your circumstances and you start playing the blame game. And the what if game, what if I'd done this, or what if I'd said that, or what if I'd gone there, or what if, what if I made the wrong decision? I just, in Jesus' name, want to encourage you to stop playing that game and start looking to Christ and understand that God is sovereign. He's in control. He knows what he's doing. If you're sitting there today right now nervous and fearful, in Jesus' name, I rebuke that and ask that Christ would reveal himself to you as the master, as the one who walked on the water, as the one who calmed the storm, as the one who commanded Lazarus to rise from the dead. You get the picture here. Christ is king, he's Lord, he's master. And so like the Apostle Paul, you can start making plans in the name of Jesus and saying, God, what is it that you would have me to do? So what's Paul saying here? He's saying, I may be locked up at the moment, but don't count me out. I've still got work to do. That's got to be the attitude of every one of us. We may be locked up for a moment. The church may be on lockdown for a moment. We may not be able to gather together at the moment. But I'm telling you, don't count us out. We may be locked down for a moment. But there's going to be the day when it lifts and we'll be able to do all that God wants us to do. 
Paul is saying, I, I want to come to you, Philemon, and I want to make sure that the things that I've told you to do in the name of Jesus, that you are doing it. Paul's saying, I want to come to you, Philemon, and I want to make sure that you are loving Onesimus. I want to make sure that peace is reigning in your church and more, more particularly in your relationship with your new brother in Christ, Onesimus. Talk about accountability. Paul is saying, I, I want to continue my work of discipling. I want to continue my work of training you, Philemon, and making you the man that God wants you to be. Paul is saying, I am a disciple maker. And my, my intention is to come to you, Philemon, and to come to the church in Colossia. And my job and my calling and my intention is to continue to do this work that God has called me to do. I think he also wants to check on Onesimus. He wants to make sure that Onesimus is safe. Uh, he wants to make sure that Onesimus has been embraced as an equal in the church. I think he wants to make sure that Onesimus is also doing his part. I don't think that Paul expects that, that this relationship is going to work just because of Philemon. He wants to make sure that Onesimus is doing his part too. He's looking forward to doing more, to build up Christians, and he wants to make sure that the body of Christ is thriving. In asking Philemon to pray, He's seeking Philemon's cooperation and his compliance. So you get the picture. Paul may be locked up, but in no way is Paul shut down. Paul is making plans. He's got things to do, places to go, people to meet. It's absolutely uh, faith-inspiring to watch Paul and to listen to what Paul has got to say. And my prayer today is that your heart will just be filled with faith and with the understanding that God's not finished with you or me yet. Now, at the beginning I said that the Apostle Paul said to the Corinthian Christians, he said, I want you to imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Just a few verses before that, the Apostle Paul tells the Corinthians, make sure that whatever you do, you do it for the glory of God. Of God. Now, this is the Apostle Paul. He's living his life for the glory of God. Before we go any further, I'm asking you that question. Are you living your life for the glory of God? Hey, sitting back and doing nothing, it's very, very difficult to live your life for the glory of God when, when there's nothing to do. And this is, this is precisely when you and I need to be hearing the voice of God, where you and I need to be careful to do what God wants us to do. So the Apostle Paul is telling us to imitate him as he imitates Christ. And we know that the Lord Jesus Christ did everything for the glory of the Father. He said, Jesus Christ said that whatever he does is what the Father does. He will not do what the Father will not do. Jesus tells us in the book of John, you need to read John again and be reminded uh, of, of what it means to follow Christ and what it means to bring glory to God. This is who we are. This is what we do. So the Apostle Paul is making plans to bring glory to God, to bring further glory to God. 
Because in the reconciliation between Philemon and Onesimus, this is God-glorifying. In the 1980s, when I first entered the ministry, I used to hear a lot about spiritual warfare. And I'm not going to get into that right now, but I'm going to tell you what real spiritual warfare is. When you and I love one another, when you and I refuse to give in to the temptation to hate one another, to be offended by one another, when you and I refuse to hold a grudge, when you and I decide in the power of Jesus Christ to forgive one another, to embrace one another, to love one another, regardless of what the other person does, that is spiritual warfare. And this brings glory to God. This is what the Apostle Paul is talking about here. He's, he's uh, got plans, and he's going to do spiritual warfare. He's going to make sure that... that that people love one another, that the church remains unified, remains one, so that God would be glorified, and so that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. There is tremendous power in unity. The power of God is manifest where God's people love each other and refuse to give in to the temptation to hold a grudge or to be angry at one another. And so Paul is going to Colossia to make sure that everybody loves each other. And he's not letting anybody off the hook. He's not even letting the pastor off the hook. Everybody is going to comply. Everybody is going to hear that message. So, what do we learn? What do we do? Well, we need to learn from the Apostle Paul that we are defined by our relationship to Christ. Look what the Apostle Paul says at the very beginning of the letter. He says it once in verse 1, then he says it again in verse 9. Verse 1 of Philemon, Paul, it begins, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Now, if you have a New Living Translation, it translates it like this. This letter is from Paul, a prisoner, for preaching the good news about Jesus Christ. Well, it doesn't actually say that in the Greek. This is what it says. That is right out of the Greek. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Now, we know that he's in prison because he's been preaching the gospel, but I think that when Paul wrote this, he wanted us to understand something. It's not just because he is a preacher of the good news of Jesus Christ. He wants us to understand our relationship to Christ, that we are, we are slaves to Jesus Christ. We are prisoners of Christ Jesus. We're, he's saying, I'm not a prisoner of Rome. I'm not a prisoner of, of any government, of, of any world leader. I'm not a prisoner of Satan. Paul is making it clear who his master and his Lord is. If Christ did not want him to be imprisoned, he wouldn't be imprisoned. And this is what Paul wants us to understand. He wants us to see this glorious relationship between Christ and his people. Paul understands that he belongs to Jesus and that he's under Christ's control. Christ is the master. Christ is the king. Christ is the Lord. 
He is, listen to this, he is exactly where God wants him to be. And I'm going to say that to you right now. You are exactly where God wants you to be. In fact, we are all exactly where God wants us to be. And this is why I said just a few moments ago that God knows what's going on in the world. God has allowed all of this to happen for his own purposes, for his own reasons. What we have to do is be careful to tune in to what God would have us know, what God would have us to do. That's exactly what Paul did. He knows that God has the final word concerning his imprisonment. And this is what Christians everywhere need to understand. This is what we need to believe, that God is sovereign over all. He's in control. He knows what he's doing. If you're sitting there today, chewing your nails off, petrified, terrified, in in Jesus' name, rebuke that. Get your eyes on Christ and say, Lord, what would you have me to do? Lord, what do you want me to do? You say, Pastor Allen, is that really the appropriate response? Absolutely. This is exactly what Paul said to the Christians in Ephesus. Remember, he wrote Ephesus at the same time that he wrote Philemon. And he tells the believers in Ephesus, he says, you are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. So where do we go with this? Start making plans. What is it that God wants you to do? As, As followers of Jesus Christ, What does God want you to do after this quarantine is over? And I'm hoping that you will share with us what God has laid on your heart. I, uh, along with the prayer meeting on Tuesday night, I, I believe and we're praying that God would send us a revival, that God would do something great in our midst because of what we've been through. Richard Wormbrand after being in prison for 14 years, and after pastors from around the world heard of what he had gone through, they came together and they put together $10,000 for a ransom to release Richard Wormbrand from prison in Romania. And at that time, the government in Romania was, was they would take $1,000 But for Richard Wormbrand, because he was so effective at spreading the gospel and undermining communism, he was, in their mind, especially dangerous. And for that reason, his ransom was $10,000 rather than $1,000. Well, long story short, Richard Wormbrand was released from prison and he recognized that his plans after his release was to go throughout the world and tell the world, remind the world of what was happening to believers in communist lands and in other lands where Christianity was hated and rejected. Until his death in 2001 at age 91, 
He devoted his whole life to going around the world and sharing the plight of Christians who were being tortured and martyred for their faith. He became known as the voice of the underground church. He did much, much damage to the cause of communism. And he did much to further the work of God. Folks, what you and I need to understand is that although the times may seem dark and desperate, there's light. There's light at the end of the tunnel, as it were. There's hope. There's a work for you to do. There's a work for me to do. And the question is this. Will you and I say, yes, Lord, hear my, use me? You need to start thinking about tomorrow. You need to start thinking about what it is that God wants you to do when this is all over. After his release, he wrote at least 18 books telling of his torture and imprisonment, but also of the good work that he and other pastors had done while in prison. And I'm one of the people that was blessed and challenged because of his faithfulness, because he made plans to honor God after his release from prison, Alan Duncalf was challenged to live a life of devotion to Christ, to do whatever it takes, even if it means torture. Can I do that? Could I be tortured for Christ? Only God knows. But I'd like to believe that God in his power and strength would give me what I need to do whatever it takes to bring glory to his name. It revolutionized my, my whole concept of Christianity. I need to lay down my life for Christ. But more than that, and in addition to that, I need to lay down my life for my brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what it means to be a Christian. This is what it means to follow Christ. It's not that you know all the creeds and that you can quote scripture off by heart, although all those things are wonderful. But it means that you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, as men and women who acknowledge that Christ is our master, it means that you and I are busy obeying Christ and putting into practice the instructions of Christ. We've been locked up now for about six weeks, and there's talk that soon restrictions will be loosened. My prayer is that we will not carry on as usual, that there will be a revival, that we will find ourselves more fervent, more on fire for God, prepared to say, yes, Lord, here am I. Some of us have sort of dropped out of service. We, we've kind of been hiding. We haven't been really prepared or willing to serve in any way. We haven't shared our faith with anybody. Well, the Apostle Paul recognizes that he is a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and I want you to know today that's what you are. That's what I am. We acknowledge Christ as our master and as our Lord. And God, by his leading, 
God, by his spirit, is going to lead us in the way that we should go. The question is, will you say, yes, Lord, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. I want to implore you to start praying now and start making plans and asking God, what would you have me to do? Maybe what you need to do is you need to make peace with somebody that you have been at odds with, somebody that you've been holding a grudge against. In your mind, they, they don't deserve to be forgiven. But because you are a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're not going to do what you want to do. You're going to do what the Lord Jesus tells you to do because he's your master. You're going to forgive because Jesus said so. Some of you have thought, well, you know, I'd like to go on a, on a missions trip, but, you know, I've got to save for my retirement. I, gotta, I want to go on my own trips. I want to do my own thing. Well, maybe it's time for you to sign up for a missions trip. You say, Pastor Alan, are there going to be missions trips? Of course there is. We're making plans. You need to sign up. Maybe uh, you haven't been serving at Cross Church. We'd love to have you sign up. You can go to crosschurch.life and you can sign up there to serve in the church. Maybe there's somebody that you know that right now is struggling. They need your love. They need your attention. You need to give them a call. You need to bring them some food. Show some kindness to them. You need to phone somebody. You need to send somebody a text, an email. You need to message them on Facebook. Whatever you do, you need to, you need to make a connection. By faith, you need to start giving. You need to start tithing. What's next? It's time for you and I to get serious about following Christ. It's time for you and I to get serious about obeying Jesus, who before he left this earth, he said, go into all the world and make disciples. There's somebody in your life that needs to hear your testimony. Somebody that needs to hear you share your faith. It's time for you and I to say, God, what do you want me to do? What a sad thing to, to come to the end of your life and have nothing to show for it, having had done nothing. I don't want to end my, I don't want my life to end that way. I want to make sure that I've obeyed Christ and that my life has meant something, has counted for eternity. That's the Apostle Paul in prison looking for more to do for Christ. I pray that that's what you're doing right now. And you know, maybe what you need to do is you need to call the church, send us an email and say, Pastor Ellen, I'm signing up for a missions trip to Burundi. I'm signing up for a mission trip up north. I'm signing up to serve in the church. I'm, signing, I'm coming to the prayer meeting on Tuesday night. But get busy and start doing what Jesus Christ has called you to do. Because at the end of the day, you and I are prisoners of Christ because he's our master and our Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you, Father, that you've got a work for us to do. Thank you, Father, for faithful men like the Apostle Paul who even during their imprisonment, during his imprisonment, he understood that he was your servant. And he understood, Lord, that you were his master and that he was your prisoner. 
Richard Wormbrand is another modern example of a man who understood that he was your prisoner. And through Richard Wormbrand, God, many hearts and lives have been touched and changed around the world, including me. And I thank you for Richard Wormbrand. And I pray God, Cross Church, everybody who calls Cross Church home would be an Apostle Paul or be a, a Richard Wormbrand. That through this time of imprisonment, God, that we would see wonderful fruit. Fruit that would last for eternity. And God, may we, may we celebrate and rejoice and share the good things that God has done because of this quarantine, because of this lockup. I believe that will be the theme of our great celebration when we return to church as usual. So God, we commit ourselves to you now in Jesus' name, giving you thanks. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.